In this episode, we chat about The Good Place, Apex Legends, The Boys, spending time with Frank Welker, and Masters of the Universe. Then we review Carnival Row and Season 5 of Black Mirror. And I chat with Felicia Day about her podcast and new book. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Hey now, welcome to Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in this episode by Silence Knight. It's me! SK has graciously agreed to be a contributor here and there to the Geek Gen podcast, a uh, part-time staff member, maybe. And by graciously agreed, he means he paid me large sums of money. Large sums. <laughs> I just throw money at the screen to get just SK to constantly, show up. constantly, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm really happy to be here. But SK's going to join us. Sometimes you'll hear episodes with the OG crew. Sometimes you'll hear episodes with SK. Uh, we're going to do this to get more frequent episodes out because I feel like I've been slacking on Geek Gen stuff lately. And uh, this is this is the way to do it is more more hands on deck. You know, I'm excited to be a pair of those hands, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah. Put my hands on deck. So uh, you've heard SK on the podcast before. He was here for the the Die Hard Christmas debate. Uh, we did an interview at one point. You've been on here and then, and then Random Movie Club and oh, yeah. all the stuff. A couple of things. I was on one of the bonus episodes as well for the uh, right. Movie Club. That's right. Actually, was it two? Did I do two? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Rob pays me lots of money, like I said. <laughs> all the money. Yep. Also in this episode coming up towards the end, we'll have an interview with Felicia Day that I pre-recorded. Uh, and we'll get tagged on there. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But we're going to start off as we always start off with our geek outs. Yay! So SK, what are you geeking out over? Oh, I'm geeking out about so much. But honestly, my first and foremost geek out has to be my new place. I'm so excited about it. I can see it. Our, oh, I know, our, I know our, you can. Our listeners can't see it, but I can see it right now and it looks great. It's okay. Just just walk them through like an old school RPG and describe the room around them. It's, it's <laughs> no, it's it's great. I'm I'm actually really excited about it. So I lived at my old place for like uh, six years, and I was just ready for a change. And it's interesting how it all came about. So I was looking for a change, and um, my work was offering this course on work life balance, and it was actually a really cool thing that I re- I'm I'm glad that I took a part in. Um, and it started describing pieces of your life, like relationships and things that were on this wheel and and how much time you spent to each part of the wheel. Mm. And like, if you had one piece of the wheel that was imbalanced, you know, maybe really high. And then maybe say another piece that was low and how you felt about it, you could tell that you sort of didn't have a good balance in all the aspects of your important things in your life. And one of the things that they listed as an important thing was your physical space. So when they, when they listed that, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I hate where I live. I cannot huh. stand my physical space. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, I got to do something about this. They're right. That's a huge, you know, the place that you're in most of your day, you know, you sleep there, you eat there. You got to do something about that. So I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. And so I went out and I did a bunch of research and I'm like, I'm going to find a place that's not only new, but like screams me like mm. the, the aesthetics, the vibe, everything. And I just I went to town on it and I finally found a place. I'm like, this is it. I looked at it and I'm like, I want to be there. I think I went and visited the place like five times. I was so excited and I, and I loved it. I loved it. And so I, I moved in and I, I didn't bring anything with me. I packed in like a day and like I got rid of so much stuff trying to be more minimal 
and it's just fantastic. I can't, I'm, I can't, I'm freaking out about it. Like I'm geeking out right now, you know, like I, I, I can't, I can't stop. I'm so excited. I've been here, uh, you know, over a month now and, and I'm just, I'm just in love. It's great. That's awesome. It's always nice too, just to kind of get a, a fresh take on things. Like I'm, I'm feeling the things pile up around me and I'm like, I have to do a mass purge just to feel like things can be clean again, you know? Yeah, exactly. And let me tell you, I did this. I know this is like the hardest thing. And this obviously takes some roots from um, minimalism. When I went through my place and I was like so fed up, I looked at my stuff and I was like, have I touched you in a year? If I haven't touched you in a year, I don't need you. Like No matter what my brain will tell me as I'm throwing you away, I don't need you. Right. So I just did that. I took the axe to my entire place. And I kid you not, I packed all my little stuff in my car and that was it. Like, Obviously, I needed something for my furniture, which I got rid of some of that, too. But I packed everything that I wanted to bring with me in my car. And that was it. It took one trip and I I was unpacked in a day. I brought it all over and I completely unpacked my entire life in a day. And it felt so good. That's so nice. So nice. And on top of that, now when I want something because I have so few things and only things that I want, when I go to get something or I go to do something, I know exactly where it is. I know mm-hmm. exactly what I want. And I it's so purposeful and nice, man. I cannot tell you how how like how much weight is off your shoulders. So Oh, I'm sure, yeah. It's it's fantastic. So That's yeah, great. definitely, definitely geeking out about that. I love it. Nice. So, you know, you if you, you want to come sleep on the couch behind me anytime. <laughs> Perfect. What else you got? Ah, okay. So my next uh geek out, and I'm just freaking geeking out about it, is that the good place. Season three finally hits Netflix and I have been waiting so long. I love the good place. It's, it's just a, uh, a fantastic show. Uh, stars has a couple stars, but, uh, Kristen Bell and yep. Ted Danson. And it is, uh, no, no spoilers or anything, but it's, it's a fantastic show about people going who, who went to the good place. That's where you start right at the beginning of season one. And that's, that's all I'll give you. But what I like about the show is it is a lot of philosophy and comedy intertwined. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of like thinking involved and a lot of, uh, you know, moments where you'll stop and you'll like have these deep moments of like, OK, yeah, like I get that and I understand that. But with some really solid comedy behind it as well. And the, the cool thing about the show was, uh, you know, I watched the first in first season and I was like, that, that was amazing. That was amazing. And then I, but I had this moment where I'm like, this is not going to be after this. They can't go anywhere. It's not sure, going to be any good. Sure. They're done. They have to be done. And season two came by and I was like, this is great. Again, they, they just kept it going. And now I season three just popped out, uh, just came out on Netflix. I know it's been out on NBC for a while, um, but I, you know, I'm a Netflix guy. So I waited sure. for Netflix and um, I started into that. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm having just as much fun with season three and it's great. So I am definitely geeking out about that. I have haven't seen it, but I've heard like kind of like what you said, like every season there's an overarching almost theme. And then at the end of the season, there's like a big twist. You're like, where are they going to go from here? And then the next season, they do another amazing thing. And then there's another twist. And you're like, where are they going to go from here? And that just keeps happening. Yeah, that is exactly it. That's the best way to describe it is that every time you watch it, you go, okay, but that's the last good season. There's no Mm -hmm. way that they can be good after this. And every season, they surprise me. Are you familiar with the recent news with that show? Because the fourth season that's coming up is the final season. Yes, actually, I did. So I I looked into that because I was curious at how long it would go. I was like, this, you know, with that in mind, the whole twist and, and, and can they continue? I was like, how long can they really continue this show? Mm-hmm. And I did see that the fourth season will be the final. And I think that actually is airing on NBC this month. I believe honestly. so. Yeah, I believe it's actually coming out now. So if you're you know, you want to get on that, it's it's out there. 
but it's uh it's sad to see it come to an end but at the same time i think that's about right because each season i'm shocked that they can continue even though they've been doing it strong so i'm not surprised that that they're going to be calling it an end it, it makes sense yeah i love a show that doesn't drag it out and just kind of goes out when they're ready absolutely absolutely but yeah so so really a big fan i'd highly recommend it if you haven't seen it it depends on how much you're into philosophy, but I don't, I don't think you really have to be. I think it's just some good, wholesome comedy that mm. really kind of makes you laugh and makes you think a little bit, too. And really, who doesn't love Kristen Bell? So come who on. Who doesn't love Kristen Bell? <laughs> hey, Ted Danson, too. You know, he, yeah. he does a good job. So re- really great stuff. What else you got? Oh, I got more for you. Apex Legends. Do you, you, you play this, Rob? Come on. <laughs> come on. I have, I have installed Apex Legends. I got to the point of opening up the game taking a look at the characters and never having actually played a game of it. So, okay. You got to play the game. It is fantastic. It's, I realize that the, the term battle Royale turns off a lot of people, mm-hmm. but I am so into this game right now. It is fantastic on so many levels for, from a, you know, just from my perspective, from a competitive player's perspective, who's, who's been into like competitive um, FPS and things like that. The movement in that game is like second to none. It's so smooth. It's so fluid. It's so fun. And the cool thing that I think they're doing now is they're digging in to the lore side of things. So you know how like Overwatch has like the videos Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. They sort of dig into the character's history in the past. Well, they are taking this opportunity. And I know that they actually have the devs have mentioned that they heavily borrowed um, from Overwatch as far as like sort of as like an idea with like heroes and legends and type things like that. Okay. And they've done a really good job releasing these animated shorts. And uh, a couple have came out, actually two have came out, one for the character Wraith and um, for season three, the new character Crypto, who's coming out, who was just announced. They did a short for him as well. And the cool thing that I think they're doing is that the shorts are very much in this, I would say in the style of like love death robots where it's a different style of animation, almost like they use a different animator every time, but it's always so good. Oh, interesting. So it's a very, uh, very well thought out uh, sort of background lore that's going on with each one. And it keeps getting me hooked. And I really like I know some people are like lore in my shooters. Get it out of here. But like, I, I'm I'm absolutely hooked. I love how why they do an not? Overwatch. I, right. Like, why would you want a one dimensional product? Right. Yeah. And even if someone adds lore to it, like, how does that hurt your game if? You're just playing it for the shooting. <laughs> so, suddenly the game is ruined. Yeah. I just remembered that this character likes brand muffins and I can't play this game anymore. <laughs> exactly. Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm totally, totally stoked for it. And so season, uh, season three is coming out October 1st is okay. when that will be dropping. And they've been doing a lot of stuff with like the lore and the map changes. And I think that I'm, I'm really anticipating that this season is going to be better than the previous two seasons. And I, I definitely think you should install it. We can play some games together, man. I'll, I'll be honest with Battle Royal. So I, one of my big hesitations for those, and I, it was actually a hesitation for Overwatch as well, is that I, I as like a personality trait, don't want to do something if I think I'm going to be bad at it. Like I, I have this need to be good at everything. And if I feel like I'm going to be bad at something, sometimes I'm not even willing to try. And I know that's a fault of mine. And especially when... Like, if it was me playing alone, that'd be one thing. Like, I can just take my hits. But if I'm being forced into a team with other people, it's like, well, now me being terrible at this means that I'm going to get, like, toxic behavior and stuff. And people are going to be mad at me. And, like, I just don't want to deal with that. Yeah. And I can understand that. But that's why you play with your friends, Rob. I, I you play with me. So. I don't care if we win or lose. I just want to have some fun, man. It's a lot of fun. 
it's a fun game. So <laughs> I'm into it. I'm going to I'm going to keep poking at you and see if you'll get into it with I'll me. I'll play at season. some point. Maybe. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> empty, empty words, Rob. Empty words. I know. I, I know. Not them. until I install it again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess my last geek out would be that Seinfeld is coming to Netflix. The entirety. I have seen I, this. I am absolutely stoked. That is a show I grew up with. I was watching it. Like, I can't, I can't remember when it started. I'm sure it had to start at some point because I'm only but so old, but, or I'm actually too old. But uh, it's it's uh, it's coming to Netflix in its entirety, and I I can't believe it. This is great news. I this it's the kind of show that you can uh, just put on, and I feel like the comedy can still land even if it's in the background. You could just be mm. like cooking in the kitchen, listening to it on the TV, and you're laughing. You know, you just your ass off to the to the jokes. Such a classic. So I'm really yeah, I'm like I'm great. geeking out about that. Have you ever watched like a few years ago? I watched Seinfeld in its entirety from beginning to end. Obviously, not in one sitting. But I over the years, I'd caught like what I thought was the majority of episodes just as they were on TV and stuff. But I was never like, I wonder if I've seen them all. And then I sat down, I watched them all. And it's a whole different show when you do it like that, because they are so smart about writing their callbacks and stuff that if you're not paying close attention, you're going to miss a callback to season two and like season six. And it's like a one line throwaway thing. But you're like, oh, my God, they tied that together. It's so brilliant. I I have not watched it in its entirety, but I have watched large swaths of it, you know, in in very large periods of time. And so I do notice that they have those moments where you're just like, oh, we just referenced the thing. You know, you have those moments and they do a really good job of that. They do a really good job of of that. And I do recommend watching a lot of it in an order so that you sort of get that vibe mm-hmm. or at least, you know, making sure you haven't missed any episodes because you'll, you'll really regret missing some of those, some of those like jokes that you may not even get in a later season because you missed out on an episode and then you're going to miss that callback. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely worthwhile to check it out. So I'm excited about that. I think they paid something ridiculous for it. Like, oh, I'm sure they have to with all the other shows going all over the place. They got to hold on to everything they can. I think it was like $500 million is what it was reported. That's it wouldn't just surprise insane. It's yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of like money to just throw at a show and I and hope it pays off for him, but uh, I'm excited. I know it's paying off on my end cause I'm excited about it. So I'll be watching it. Somewhat unrelated. Does Netflix have a shuffle option yet? I don't think so. That's actually a, a great question. I would love to like build a playlist or build a library and just like hit shuffle and let my TV station play in a way, you know? That would actually be I like that feature. I, I don't think they have that, but that's actually a great idea. You could sort of just like shuffle through sort of shows that you like. Yeah, I mean, they probably wouldn't love it because it means people would be putting things on in the background a lot more. And that amount of data would probably get used more because they're not purposefully watching as much. But it's just kind of a great feature. That's true. That's true. I, I just that got me thinking about how they monetize it and like how they would rather you probably not watch that much. Of, right. Much, which is why they always ask you, are you still there? Exactly. Hello? Yeah. They don't want you using any more data than you need. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm still here. Netflix. I've, <laughs> I've had the office on for 12 hours. You know, I'm like, of course, I'm still here. <laughs> That's so, why I, I can't even get up. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. All right. Well, so my first geek out is uh, actually uh, from a few weeks ago. The last couple of years, I've got to work at Fan Expo Boston as a guest liaison. Mm-hmm. So the first year I was paired up with like Carl Urban. Didn't get a lot of interaction with them just because w- when a guest is at a certain level, they usually have like an agent or a handler that is like between you. And I talked to the guy a few times, but nothing major or anything. But it was still cool. 
Uh, then the following year, I got to be with Tara Strong, and she didn't have like she had a person with her, but that person was kind of running the line. And I was hanging out with Tara the whole time, and that was a blast because we were like uh, Richard Horvitz, the guy who does the voice of Invader Zim and everything. Uh, we were just messing with him all weekend. <laughs> like <laughs> like there was a prank war going on between the two tables, and being there, you could not be involved, and it was really kind of a blast. Uh, and then this year, I I was hoping that I was going to end up with Will Friedel just because I've had a working relationship with him before. And uh, Batman Beyond is just like one of my favorite shows. So spending time with him for the weekend would have been super cool. But he didn't have like a, a person from the con work with him. He just had his own people with him, which happens all the time. But I'm not even going to say consolation prize because what I got instead was amazing. Uh, I got to spend the weekend with Frank Welker and Peter Cullen. And if people don't know who they are, they're two of the biggest voice actors like ever. Like Peter Cullen is the original Optimus Prime. Yeah. Like the OG Optimus Prime. Oh. And some people don't realize this. He's also the OG Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I did not know that. That's awesome. You would never think the same guy does both. Not at all. No. Nope. Wow. He does Eeyore and he does Optimus Prime. Those are his two biggest roles. Uh, but the guy I spent the most time with was Frank Welker. And if you mention mm-hmm. that name to people, especially people that know the voice acting business, they're just like, bow down to Frank Welker. <laughs> These guys are both like over 70. Frank Welker's IMDb list is over 800 credits. It's wow. unbelievable. And if people aren't familiar with his stuff, you've seen stuff with him. Uh, he's the original Megatron and Soundwave. So he did both of those. Oof. He's the original Scooby-Doo. No. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. And Fred Jones. So Scooby-Doo and Fred are done by the same person. Talk about talking to yourself. Yeah. Um, I know you're a Futurama guy. <laughs> I am. He's Nibbler. What in the world? That is, that is a crazy range. Think about how similar Fred's voice is to Nibbler's. There's some commonalities there. I can actually, now that you say that, I, now I'm going to go like after this and go listen to him side by side. Yeah. I want to hear it. Uh, he was Abu and the Cave of Wonders in the original Aladdin cartoon. Okay. 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 Uh, Abu the monkey. Uh, yeah. It took me a second. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was Brain the dog and Dr. Claw and Inspector Gadget. This is just getting ridiculous. <laughs> like, this is actually getting it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Like almost any animal that you've heard in like anything is either him or D. Bradley Baker. Like, he was the voice of the dog in Cujo, the Stephen King movie. That's insane. Yeah. That, the, the, the absolute range you'd have to have to do that line of work, that, that amount of work. That's crazy. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So I'm sitting next to him, like, all weekend. He's the sweetest guy. And it's, it's incredibly rare for him to go out and do these. So, like, he said that this was only his 11th convention ever. Wow. He's a very private person. He doesn't go out and do these a lot. But uh, one of the coolest things over the course of that weekend is they had like these private recording sessions where people sent in scripts and they paid for it beforehand. And we went into these like rooms. And since I was with him, I had to be there. And he was basically recording all these voice messages and the voice of Megatron for people. Mm -hmm. So he was doing one talking about like tacos and stuff. And it was was so (laughs) funny. It was so funny. But man, just to just to hear that voice come out of the person and like. It's it's oh, man, it just hits that nostalgia bone so hard. I can imagine. I can imagine. So what do you think about your voice? Did he, was he just immediately impressed? He didn't mention anything, which is oh, so weird. Man. It's so weird because like almost every voice actor I talk to mentions my voice at some point. But yeah, I was like, 
hey, like you're the king. (laughs) You know, honestly, it doesn't surprise me that he's a private person. The more I think about it, with that amount of work, that amount of voices, could you imagine how many people would want you to do how many voices every Mm -hmm. time and everywhere you went? You would just constantly do Scooby Doo, do Scooby Doo, you know, do Fred. It would just be like you'd just be asked all the time to do whoever's favorite voice. So I can imagine I'd want to keep to myself. And yet he was just doing them all the time at the autograph table. Like if someone came up, regardless of whatever, like they had to, they picked a character eight by 10 to get signed. He'd almost always be like, and just like (laughs) throw it out there. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Oh, that's It was amazing. So yeah, that was, that was quite an experience and a weekend. I will not forget for a while because I'm, I'm just such a big fan of voice actors. So to like hang out with the King for a weekend was amazing. My next geek out is the boys on Amazon. Have you watched this at all? Boys. I have not watched the boys, but I will say that I am interested. I put me, mark me down as interested because I've been seeing advertisements for this thing everywhere. And I thought usually when I see ads everywhere, I'm like, eh, I'm not You're like, it has the opposite effect on me, yeah. but I keep hearing good things. And it's got, I've, it's gotten to the point now where it's definitely on the, like the top of my list to get into. So I'm, I'm actually anxious to hear what you have to say. Yeah. It's only like eight episodes. So it's very watchable. It doesn't take super, super long. They're hour long. Cause it's a drama, obviously, but the, the coolest thing I've heard from people about the boys is that even the people that are feeling the oversaturation of superhero content are still like, have you seen the boys? Like, it's so different and it's so amazing and it subverts so many of the things that the superhero genre is doing. And while having commentary on it, while also having commentary on society and like, it's so dense and like so well done. The acting is fantastic. Speaking of Carl Urban, he's like one of the main characters in oh, it. Okay. And uh, he's he's kind of the ringleader of the boys who basically they're they're trying to keep superheroes in check because while they all have a very shiny, nice image, a lot of them are just dicks. <laughs> so <laughs> it's 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 great. And then obviously a person like gets wrapped up in it that doesn't want to be. That's kind of our viewpoint. And it's it's incredibly well done. And I can't wait for season two. People are talking about um, there's a character in it without getting into major spoilers, of course. There's a character named Homelander who's kind of an allegory for Superman. And people are like praising this dude's performance because he's so phenomenal in the show. He just changes on a dime his entire personality. And it's crazy. Ooh, I do love that kind of flexibility in the character. Uh, for me, like I'm, I'm not. I know you were mentioning how people are kind of like tired of the superhero thing but i'm i'm not completely over it I, I don't think i'll ever get tired of it right like were you a fan of umbrella academy did you get into i liked that it at all? yeah it was good i actually really liked it as well i surprisingly i didn't think i was gonna like it which is actually one of the reasons i'm more convinced to try out uh the boys because i saw i i was expecting to not like umbrella academy and i started watching it and after a few episodes i really got into it and i've actually rewatched it now so you know ever ever since that i was like you know what i should give the boys a shot so that's that's I, I don't think I'm sick of that genre. You definitely sign me up. I'm not either. If if you had told like eight, 10 year old me that this was the future of entertainment, I would have been so friggin hyped because we were we had so little when we were younger as far as like superhero stuff in the mainstream. There were like a few cartoons here, a movie every like five years. We got very little compared to what we get now. 
And the fact that like there's so much superhero stuff, I'm like, I just don't have time for this one. <laughs> like I have to that's, be picky and choosy. Living the dream. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's true. It's true. We didn't have as much back then. And yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get sick of it either, just because that's 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 my interest set. So bring them on. Uh, the next one is Into the Badlands, which is a show that was on AMC for a while, about three seasons. We actually had uh, one of the actresses on the podcast at one point, uh, Emily Beecham, who plays the widow in the show. And it's it's a I, I think you might kind of dig it. It's um it's hard to describe. It's from Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, who are the team that created Smallville, the producers mm, okay. behind that. And they've done a lot of other shows beyond that. It's an original world like there's no source material. The show is completely original in the world that they created, the characters they created. And it's post-apocalyptic, but like almost beyond that point. So like society fell a long time ago. We don't know why Uh, we don't find out. And it's almost like the rebuilding of society. So there's all these like different sects and each one has a baron that leads it. And they refer oh. to like their their uh, workers as cogs. They're literally like <laughs> cogs in a machine. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they also have clippers that work directly for the Baron as like their enforcers and stuff. And the story is about Sonny, who's a clipper for one particular Baron. He's got like so many kills and he keeps them as scratch marks, almost like Mr. Zaz, like on his Ooh. back, like he has them all tallied. Uh, but then he starts to slowly get like disenchanted with that lifestyle and stuff. But the uh, the other like really cool aspect of it is that it's probably the best martial arts show I've seen on television. Like think Crouching Tiger level martial arts on a TV show. And it's it's incredibly cinematic. It's beautiful to watch. And the world is just really interesting to learn about. OK, I yeah, I actually had not heard of this show. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I go off Rob recommendations. So <laughs> it's I got a whole list of Rob recommendations I work through. So I'll definitely have to throw this one on. But it's it's not something I saw. Is it so is it like a sci fi post apocalyptic type world or it's not even sci fi. So like there's no guns, like oh, okay. everything, everyone, wow. everyone knows martial arts inexplicably. <laughs> and like some people are better at it. it's almost like the Scott Pilgrim idea where like everyone just kind of knows how to fight. Okay. I Even see. though you know that they've been trained at some point, and like there are there are cogs and stuff that don't, but like all the clippers know how to fight, all the barons know how to fight, and that's almost like a part of getting power. Okay. And then they have like swords and stuff like that, but no guns, like no no kind of weapons in that vein. <laughs> so basically, we've forgotten everything about our history, yeah. except how to fight. <laughs> and there's not like there's not like high tech stuff really. It's very kind of old school. And it, the the styles are kind of Victorian as far as costuming goes and stuff. Oh, that's a, that's actually interesting. It's an interesting blend of like different visual styles all put together, but it works surprisingly well. It's nice and colorful. Uh, I don't know. It's really really interesting. But it's hmm. only it's only three seasons. It did recently get canceled, unfortunately. It Ooh. did end on a little bit of a cliffhanger, but one that you're kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I, I would have liked a little bit more, but this isn't so bad. Yeah, I always have like a I always have mixed feelings about like those limited run shows mm-hmm. or shows that get canceled because it's like, do I want to invest the time? Yeah. Like, it, 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 you know, at some point it's OK because I'm like, if it's a limited run series, I feel OK about it because I'm like, well, maybe that's good. They didn't stretch the story too thin. They sort of told their story and got out. But then sometimes when shows are short because they were canceled, I have this feeling that they're going to build this world for me and I'm going to get so excited about it. And then they're going to rip my heart out as soon as it ends. Yeah. And 
I just think I can't be hurt again <laughs> too many times. Dude, I feel that so hard. <laughs> so I, I if you if you say it's not too bad, I might I might think about giving it a shot. But that does it does worry me because it's like I, I get so invested in like a world building series where they tell me all this lore and I get really mm-hmm. excited about it. And then it's just the rug is ripped out from under me. Yeah. The biggest bummer, I think, to me is just the fact that we never really found out what caused the fall of man originally. I guess it's not super important. But I would have loved to have some sort of clues because like they found old stuff from our time. Like they have a view master in one episode. And they're like, what is this? Like, <laughs> it's just a thing that's left over from the prior society. Oh, yeah. And that's the kind of thing they wouldn't get to till probably later. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Almost like towards the end of a run. Uh, next one is a series that is the return almost of another series, which is Masters of the Universe Revelation. Oh, yes. I did not know this was happening. I had no idea this was happening yeah. until I saw this and I got really excited. Are you a He-Man guy at all? Or Oh, man, yeah. I am. I just I have the power. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so uh, filmmaker Kevin Smith announced at the recent PowerCon, which is a con dedicated to Masters of the Universe and she and all that stuff, uh, that he'll act as executive producer and showrunner on a new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe series for Netflix. Ooh. So it's coming right into your realm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Titled Masters of the Universe Revelation, the series will pick up where the original left off back in 1985. So it's a sequel series. Okay. To the original thing. Uh, the show is also in the hands of Powerhouse Animation, the studio that created Netflix's animated Castlevania series. That was, was that like the, was that an anime style? Yeah, they did like an anime animated, and it's, I think, two seasons of it. I've heard very good things. I did not watch it, but I heard very, very good things about it. It was definitely like universally praised from what I what I heard you know, from my realm of people. Yeah. Kevin Smith seems like an odd choice, but at the same time, I'm just like, give me give me more He-Man. I don't care. <laughs> it's it's fine. This is fine. Just just give me more He-Man. I yeah, agree. I'm into it. So I don't know when it's coming out. There's very little information beyond that, but. Yeah, I was actually disappointed when when I looked through it because I got really excited. And then I was like, I need more details. Like I, I got to the end of the, the link you had sent me and I was like, I need more. <laughs> Give yeah. me more. Like they've given some updates on Kevin has a, another podcast called Fat Man Beyond where they basically do this. They talk about pop culture and geek things and stuff. And his co-host, Mark Bernardin, he hired to be a writer on that He-Man show because Mark is a writer anyway. Like he did stuff for Castle Rock. He wrote on Carnival Row. He wrote on Alphas, that show that was on sci-fi for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's working on this. And I guess Mark just turned in his script. So they're still like a ways off. Yeah. Because they got to do the animation and stuff. And that takes quite a while. Oh, definitely. That's That's got to be. I'm not familiar with exactly how long that takes for, but I'm sure it's one of the lengthier processes for oh, no a, doubt. an animated. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exciting. Um, and my last geek out is actually something related to our uh, guest today, which is a podcast called Voyage to the Stars. And I'm not just including in here because uh, of the interview with Felicia Day, but because I started listening to it because I got that interview booking. And I've not delved into a lot of like fictional narrative podcasts just because most of the ones I listen to are very informational or like, interview or conversation and things like that and i never really looked at fiction stories to be like a podcast i want to listen to like i don't listen to fiction audiobooks either i don't know i just want to watch my stories more or less but i was pleasantly surprised with this show it's basically uh, a show about four characters 
they're in the future. Uh, they get stranded on a spaceship that gets sucked through a wormhole. And now they're left in a part of space where they don't know where they are. They don't know how to get back to Earth. And it's a partially improvised comedy series. So uh, it stars Felicia Day, Janet Varney, who was uh, the voice of Korra and Legend of Korra, mm. Colton Dunn and Steve Berg. And what they get, and you'll hear more about it in the interview later, but they basically get a script with the story points, but there's no dialogue. And they have oh, to wow. improvise all of the dialogue to fit those. And it's split up into nice little segments. So like the captain's logs, you'll hear like he's recording a captain's log, but there's all this story stuff happening during it. Or like Felicia's character is doing a science log and you hear things. Um, Steve Berg's character is a janitor on the ship. And he's recording a podcast. <laughs> like they literally <laughs> have him do a podcast. Fantastic. Called like Chat Stew, because his character's name is Stew. And then Janet Varney plays the ship's computer, like AI computer named Sorry. And the only reason she's named Sorry is because when they activate her, the first thing they're like, Oh, sorry. And they're like, name, sorry, registered. It's it's hilarious. It's really well done. The story's very funny. Uh, and I, I recommend people check that out. Season two just launched within the last couple of weeks. So very consumable. That sounds super interesting, actually, the way you described it. I'm yeah. gonna definitely look into that. It's a I lot had, of I hadn't fun. heard of that. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that style of like podcast or entertainment as well. Reminds me, the, the concept reminds me like old time radio back in the day, you yeah. know how they used yeah. to tell their stories before TV. It's sort of like a, a throwback to that, but in a unique, interesting, like improvish way. And I, I kind of like that. I could be down for that if it was done well. It's really great. The only problem is if you're an entertainer, and a podcaster you listen to and you're like i want to do something like this really badly so the question is when are you going to throw more money at me to say we can do something (laughs) like this i i honestly already have a concept in my brain that i'm i'm thinking about pitching to some people i'm like i can't do more podcasts (laughs) the struggle yeah the rob struggle it hurts uh anyway those are our geek outs let's talk about our freak outs oh freak out what are you freaking out over, SK? Okay, so I only have one freak out, and it's sort of related to the topics that were mentioned earlier because it's also heavily Netflix, but the freaking office is leaving Netflix as the most painful words I've ever had to speak. <laughs> I, can, I kid you not. I love that show. I It took me a long time to get into it, but when I finally did, I completely... It's like it just clicked for me. I got yeah. it. And I have watched that show so many times through. Uh, I could I could reference so many things. It's just it's just great. Much like Seinfeld, it's another show where you can just put on and veg out, and the jokes will land very easily. Landing jokes and humor, and uh, at some point, it's almost like a cult thing. You're almost hooked in. Like you can't you can't leave it. Yeah. And it's sad to see it go. Uh, they're losing the rights by January first, twenty twenty one. I think is what okay. I read. Have they said where it's going? Oh, it's going to the NBC streaming site, which is also part of my freakout. Yeah, right? because so I'm losing my favorite show and it's transferring over to NBC. And that's kind of like uh, it bothers me so much because when I was at least I'm going to say when we were younger, when I was coming up and thinking about like cable and stuff and mm-hmm. what I wanted out of like my entertainment, I always hated cable because you paid for 10 percent of the crap that you wanted. And then you were also paying for 90% of the crap that you didn't want. And so we had this magical moment where Netflix came and was like, I can give you the content that you want only. And you just pay me a small subscription fee. Mm -hmm. 
and then I'll get all the content that you want and host it here by paying these companies to host it. Yep. Well, that was great, right? Like, it was awesome. It was exactly what we wanted until cable companies started losing money and said, hey, we want to do that now with our own content. And guess what? We got cable 2.0, baby. It's yeah, coming. Yeah. And I'm so mad about it because soon it's going to be like, I'm imagining that soon it's going to be, and it's already it's already started. It's mm-hmm. going to be like 20 channels or 20 streaming services. And then I bet bundles are coming. It's like, already happened. Some point you bundle NBC and ESPN. Is it really? They're here. So um, Disney has theirs launching Disney plus. Okay. Uh, Disney owns the majority share of Hulu now and uh, they have ESPN plus. So you can now get a bundle that for the price of two of those, you get all three. So now oh, like, no. <laughs> like I want, I want Disney plus. It looks great. I'm going to have to get Hulu when the Orville goes on it. And I'm like, for the price of both of those, I can, but I'm never going to watch ESPN plus. So why would I pay for that? I'm I'm going to pay individually the same that I wouldn't just not get ESPN. I don't want them thinking I'm a subscriber of that. I don't want them to have that number. But the problem is, is that we're going to go back to it because we're going to start paying large amounts of money, just as much money as we were paying for cable, just to get a bunch of stuff that we don't really want. Cause even on Netflix, right? Even on Netflix or Hulu, you're only only maybe 10% of the content is probably what you want as exactly, well. Yeah. But at least you're only paying like $10 a month or whatever yep. for that 10%. You're not paying 60 or $80 or however much you're being charged locally for like all this stuff you don't want. You're paying a small fee every month. And I can just see it coming where it's like if I want all the original stuff on Netflix, I'm going to have to pay $10 and then I'm going to have to pay for Disney and I'm going to have to pay for NBC if I want The Office. And God, it's just like I am actually freaking out about that. <laughs> Like legitimately, <laughs> I know we kind of asked for this, but at the same time, I think there's a solution that makes it all very affordable. Like if you only pay for because most of them, they're not like you have to dedicate to a year or whatever. So like if you only pay for the ones you want at that particular time. So like I'm going to get Hulu for a few months because the Orville is probably only going to last for a few months and then that run will be done. And then I can cancel Hulu and then I can get another streaming service. I can get Disney for a while. I can watch the shows that I want to watch and then cancel that for a little while. And I can just keep doing that. Interesting. So that just gave me this. Here we go. No one steal this idea, but that just gave me a great (laughs) idea of like an app or a service which allowed you to sub and unsub from your favorite subscriptions on demand right then. You could say, "Okay, time to cancel my Hulu or it would do it automatically for you, you know, like up HBO make sure that goes off by next month, mm-hmm. you know, and like some kind of service to just unsub from everything that you own, because that's a great idea. Right. And I kind of already do that with like HBO. I sub to HBO only to watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I binge it and then I drop it because I don't want to pay. It's like 15 bucks a month for one show. Right. And I'm done with it. Right. So, you know, that's kind of already in place. And I think that's the right solution. It's just I think it just stresses me out that I'm going to have to manage all these different networks and I'm going to have to switch my watching habits to be like, based around, you know, dropping and picking up services when and on demand I want. Yeah, them. yeah, it's it's more work for sure. But there's there's absolutely a way to do it and still save money. The only one I'll never get rid of is Prime Video because like that's a Prime Video is a bonus to paying for the shipping, the two day shipping like <laughs> it's, it really is. It's just great that they're stepping up their game now and we're getting a bunch of great content from them. Because they were always kind of lagging behind. So now that bonus feels like more important. I just don't want them raising the prime costs as a result. I'm worried about that, too. If they start investing too heavily mm-hmm. in the networking, that it, be, they, you know, it starts going up, creeping up just to match what they have to start paying all the studios to make the, the entertainment. So, yeah, because it's not like they're making more. I don't know how many people are 
being like, I want Prime Video, and then I'm getting the shipping as a bonus. I, I don't hear that too often. I don't hear that often either. In fact, it's, it'd be like saying, I, I want Prime Music, but, you know, like, because I use that even less. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's so I, I, I could see it, but I hope that that doesn't affect, like you said, other costs. And I think it's just going to be a hassle. And I'm lazy. Let's admit, like, this is the real problem. <laughs> I'm lazy. And I don't want to be bothered. I want everything on Netflix and I want it now, right? I also, I just, I, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Yeah. It's, that's my problem. So that's fair. And that's kind of it. Just freaking out about it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my first freak out is Men in Black International. Have you seen this? Oof. I I have not seen a Men in Black since the first one, if I'm being honest. It is. Uh, well, so, OK, so I saw I obviously I saw the first Men in Black. I've seen the first three. I've actually seen all of them now, I suppose. Uh, and I even watched a little bit of the cartoon while that was on back in the day. But Men in Black International is like a crash course in making a movie that just doesn't matter and doesn't do anything. And I actually watched a video the other day that explained why it's so boring. And one of the reasons for that is because the main character that Tessa Thompson plays is so insanely bland Ugh. and almost almost all the characters in the movie have no driving goal like they have no want things just happen almost formulaically set up by previous men in black movies. Yep. I I kind of I hate when stuff like uh, that happens in shows and movies. Actually, I would say that like. It's funny, I was listening to one of your podcasts and this was making me think about it because I had this problem with um, this problem with Captain Marvel and I thought mm, it was a good movie. Yep. I enjoyed it. But the problem was I felt like it was almost trying to achieve a goal uh, with the character instead of letting the character be full of emotion and sort of like drive the movie. It was almost formulaic and we need to get to an end point so we can be ready for Endgame mm-hmm. instead of letting the character sort of be like come in of itself and and blossom and and so when when shows and movies i feel like when they try to like push sort of a formulaic approach your characters come out a little blander than they should it's really disappointing yeah obviously without going into spoilers but this stuff was in the trailer for uh international so i don't feel bad saying it so like her big want in the movie is that because she does have one uh she 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 sees an alien as a kid and her parents get neuralized and she doesn't so her whole life she spends like, oh, I'm going to find that men in black group and I want to join it because that looks awesome. That's her big want. She accomplishes that in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> so what's left at that point? She's a passenger. She's literally a passenger to the story. She has no want. She's good at everything. There's no there's no growth. It's like that's the movie. So 15 minutes of growth and then you're done. Yeah. You're just along for the car ride. That's after it. That. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah, it's it was a big bummer. I, apparently, there were a lot of problems in the production stage too, like script changes on the day and stuff like that. Like they just weren't sure what they were doing with that movie, but it shows. Oh. The last freak out is one that's not necessarily new, but if people haven't heard the news, Spider Man is officially out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Break my heart. It hurts. Just absolutely hurt me. Mm-hmm. I can't take it. I can't take it. I get it. Sony wants to make more money. Uh, Marvel came at them with a deal that was more in their favor than Sony's. Sony had a pretty sweet deal going in. Marvel was getting a minimal amount for being able to use Spider-Man in the MCU films. But at the same time, I feel like the Spider-Man franchise was hurting big time. And Marvel stepped in. We're like, hey, we're going to attach you to the biggest franchise in the world right now. If you'll just let us use that character and have a small cut, I think Sony's going to do fine. But my biggest concern is not seeing Spider-Man 
in the MCU moving forward. Like, that's what I'm more worried about. I want him as like a guiding light of the new Avengers team. That's I completely agree. And that's I think that's my biggest worry as well, because I felt like in the MCU, you know, especially with the events of Endgame, they were sort of grooming Spider-Man, right, to be that light. And now that this comes out in the real world, it's like that all feels like it goes away. Mm -hmm. And I'm really disappointed in that. Yeah. And that also means in future Spider-Man movies that are just Sony run, they can't reference MCU stuff. Oh, yeah, that's true. So basically, it's going to be standalone. Everything that's happened, like Happy Hogan's just going to be gone from that world. (laughs) Yeah. After the major part he played in the last Spider-Man movie, he's just going to be absent now. It's so weird. Yeah, that is so weird. It's. It just sucks, you know? Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It sucks. I understand it. It's business. It makes sense, you know? People can't get along all the time. Some people want money. Other people want more money, and it doesn't work out. But, like, as a consumer and as a person who has been along for this ride with the MCU, I mean, that's that's where I feel the most partial to, but, like, I don't blame Sony too much. Yeah. You know, I understand why you would want to make money off of your IP or something that you own. But at the same time, as someone who's bought in for so many years, you know, since Iron Man won going into this and getting really excited to see what happens in the next phase of the MCU mm-hmm. to just feel, if you just a letdown, it just hurts. Yeah. That's all it really is. It does. It hurts, it hurts. as a fan, huh. <laughs> as a fan. Oh, <laughs> but that's it. Um, that'll, that'll, that'll maybe hopefully resolve itself at some point. You never know. Never say never, but we do have a few things to do uh, review wise for you. And SK has got some stuff about black mirror season five. Yeah, Black Mirror. So are you, to start off, are you a Black Mirror guy? You, you watched any of it? Or? I want to watch way more. I have watched one episode, and I really enjoyed it. Do you know which episode it was or which season? It was, I don't know which season it was, but it was the one about social media. Oh, season three, episode one. I got it in the, right in the back of here. I know which wow. one Wow, yeah. That was, so we, <laughs> we had watched an episode of the Orville that covered similar topics to that. And Katie oh, recommended okay. that I watch that particular episode of Black Mirror is like my first one. Because like, if you like this episode, you'll love the Black Mirror episode as well. And it's great. Well, I think that was the first one that Netflix took over, I, I believe. Oh, That's okay. why. So actually, it was the first episode I saw because when I first went to Black Mirror on Netflix, they started with that. They didn't start at season one. They started with that. And I think that was the first one, if I'm correct. I could be wrong. But I think that was the first season that Netflix sort of took over and, and got involved okay. with it. Um, and made it their own so yeah anyway so season five dropped recently on netflix and that's kind of what i'm reviewing today so to start off it's a, a short one it's three episode long oh wow that's real short so it's the shortest since season one season one also had three episodes okay uh season two technically season two had three and then they tacked on one but still that leaves it with four episodes they did like a christmas one which was a little later oh i didn't realize that they were so short they are. So each season is pretty much three, four, five, six episodes. But um, basically, this is the shortest one since season one, hmm. essentially. And which which is a little bit of a disappointment, but not not always, because really what's the strength of Black Mirror is each individual episode because they are disjoint and they're not connected. You, you don't need it to be a long story. Each sure. one is its own piece. So that was really exciting to to have another season drop. And I have mixed feelings about it. Hmm. So they they brought in some big stars for this season, which I, you know, I could be wrong, but I don't think they brought too many big names in for um I, I say big names. So they let me mention a few of them. So uh Anthony Mackey, Andrew Scott, and Topher Grace, and Miley Cyrus actually oh, wow. in an episode. Okay. So they had some names come in, right? Sure. They threw some people in there instead of just, I think there were people that you would see in some of the smaller movies and things like that, uh, lower lower list actors, but they brought in some some bigger names this time. 
And I felt like it almost seemed like they were trying to lean on some of the names and some of the mm. the recognizable faces. And in the the seasons, they were good episodes. They were decent episodes, but they don't stand up to like the Black Mirror. I feel like what Black Mirror is set. And I think I think the problem is this. It's starting to run out of those tropes that it's using with with, you know, bad technology tropes. Okay, it's running. I think it's starting to run a little dry on content and ideas for what ways technology can be bad for us. And so I think what they what they've done is they've started and I noticed this in season four. They've started to lean heavily on past episodes by including references and callbacks so that you remember things that have happened in other seasons, which is nice, which is odd for an anthology series, though. It is, but what I think they try to do, and you saw this in season four, not to spoil too much, I don't think it's too spoiler, but they included pieces almost hinting that it was in the same universe. That, okay. That's how it felt. Okay. You did, they didn't really explicitly say that, so that's why I don't think it's too much, but it felt like, okay, everything seems to be in the same universe. They may be disjoint stories, but they exist in the same realm Interesting. sort of type thing. Anyway, so I think that they've made a, they started to make a lot more callbacks, which tells me they're... Well, while it's interesting, it tells me that they're not standing alone on their own as much. They're trying to use callbacks to reference things and make you sort of relate. Mm-hmm. And then also bringing in the big names to sort of cover up for that. So the stories were okay. Um, I thought the first episode they led with was really strong. That's the one that featured Anthony Mackey. Uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. It's probably the probably the most interesting topic. It had to do with uh, video gaming, actually. Oh, cool. You might be interested in it. Yeah. So it, it had to do with video gaming and virtual reality, oh, um, yeah. that type of stuff. Yep. And I thought that one was the most interesting. And then from there, it sort of just it tapered off a little bit. The hmm. other two, especially the last one involving Miley Cyrus, while it was interesting, it just felt kind of like a short story that didn't really drive home like the, I guess what I feel like Black Mirror did for you, which was really like suck you into this sort of like spooky technology. This is where the world might go sort of mentality. It felt more just like a short story that technology was attached to. Hmm. Uh, and in nothing, in, in not really too much of a unique way, like the previous seasons had done. Okay. So so I think that like overall, I would still recommend the season on its own. Each individual episode had its merit, but I, I think it's just a little more thin than the previous seasons. And that was kind of like my That's biggest issue. It didn't it didn't grab me as much. I, I don't want to stop anyone from watching. I think it's still worth the watch. Mm-hmm. It was still enjoyable, but I am starting to notice, especially like season four and now season five, it feels like they're getting a little thin. It's still good. It's just not great like it was. And that's the that's kind of what's starting to worry me that it's going to have to sort of fade off. Well, it sounds like a series from what I've heard people talk about. It, and even just from the one episode I watch, it set such a high bar that that's a hard thing to maintain. That is also part of the problem. I think that not only did they set the high bar, like I said, there, there's just so many like ideas that you can come up with with technology going bad before you start to like start to layer on top of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Like your ideas are a little shared, you know, you, you know, you can talk about virtual reality, but you can only do that in so many ways, right? Like you can't, yeah. at some point it's going to start, let like, sound like the same story. So, you know, I think that that's also a problem. I think that season two and season three, and even some of season one really set the bar high. I think that season four had some really interesting concepts. I don't think it nailed it as much as season three did, but I do, I do feel like, that is another problem. They've they've set the bar way high for themselves. So after that, it's like they're going to have trouble keeping up. So like I said, they're good short stories on their own. I just don't, you know, they're just starting to fall away from the glory that they used to be. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Still, it's still, it's still pretty good. Yeah, though. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't take this as a negative thing. Yeah, I think yeah. it's still, I still enjoy it. I watch it again. I still think the, there were good episodes. Yeah. I just, you know. All right. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing Carnival Row, which is uh, another Prime Video series because Amazon's Ooh. churning them out now. 
Uh, if people are not familiar with Carnival Row, it is another original IP created just for the show. There's no source material creating this one either. It is another kind of hard to describe show. So it takes place in like a, a Victorian Londonish type setting. Uh, it's very kind of murky, dingy, uh, low low tones in the colors. It's not popping too hot anywhere. Uh, and basically the um, the kind of underlying theme of the whole thing is that you have the humans who've kind of all populated this place. But then there are these refugees that have come to this city. Uh, but these refugees are things like pixies and I always forget. They call them pucks in the show. But what what would be those mythological creatures that have like goat legs and horns, but like human bodies? Is it a satyr? Sure. I don't I think I think it's a satyr. Okay. I think I, let's just pretend that's it. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, they, they, they have nicknames for like all of them. So like uh, the fairies are called pixes. And like uh, the satyrs are called pucks and they're, they're, they're like refugees and they're a lower class citizen. So a lot of them work as like housemaids and like slaves basically for the human class. Uh, And there, there's a big slave allegory going on throughout the entire show. But that's actually, in my opinion, the most boring part of the show. It's like, it feels a little bonk bonk on the head. Okay. Yeah, we get it. Fine. And there's there's one interesting side story about like a puck that comes to town that is rich and moves into a rich human neighborhood. And they're like, whoa. And it's like it's it's like an old school story about a a black family moving into a white neighborhood and everyone freaking out. And I don't if this was accidental, I don't know. But it's like the only puck in the whole show that's also black. So I don't know if they're just really hitting that home. So I I don't know if that was the intent there, but uh, so there's an interesting side story that goes on there, but the main character uh, is played by Orlando Bloom. He is an inspector uh, that used to be a soldier in this war. Like there was this whole separate Island where all these mythological creatures lived and there was a war going on there and the humans actually went to like help out, but it's a little murky, some of the lore and I don't get all of it, but they had alliances with like the pixies and stuff and certain certain creatures and everything. But that's why a lot of those island refugees ended up coming to this city because those were the people that kind of helped them out. So they thought this was a place they could go to. And then they ended up being like the slave Ooh, class. Big mistake. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's some sort of danger on that island that's chasing them all away as well. I think they call them like the pack or something. And I was like, gargoyles? Um, <laughs> just from the gargoyles cartoon, I just thought of the pack. So Orlando Bloom is this inspector in this city and there is a string of murders happening and he's basically looking into all these murders. It's a very like Jack the Ripper-ish kind of vibe going on, but there's something like over the top about these killings too, almost like there's a beast slaughtering them. Oh, wow. And he slowly discovers like a connection between the victims and then he also uh, was in love with a fairy back on the island during the war. And he ends up like leaving at one point and faking his death so she doesn't follow. Because I guess I forget all the reasons. This is, I guess, kind of the downside of the show is it's not overly memorable. Like I don't. Oh no! <laughs> I, I binge it all and I watch it and it's fine. But a lot of the side stuff and a lot of the lore is very forgettable to me, and it just didn't grab me 
uh, in the way that I want it it to. The the part that I really did like uh, was I did like the love story between him and the fairy who's played by Cara Delevingne. That was really interesting because they have a very tough relationship, high tension when they discover each other. She finds out that he's alive and when she thought he was dead for like seven years or something crazy. And then there's a really cool backstory behind Orlando Bloom's character that you don't learn about until like later, but it's a super cool reveal and it works really well with the story. And then uh, the murder that he's trying to solve is also really kind of a cool story. But a lot of the side characters, anytime they jump to one of those stories, I was just like, just give me the good stuff. Like, I don't care about all this. Give me the mystery of the murders. Tell me more about these characters that I like and have that just be it. I probably would have been fine with the series if that were the case, but it just gets muddied up by a lot of the other stuff that's going on. So I think it's worth a watch. It's only eight episodes. Uh, and there's definitely room for them to do more. And I believe they've already been picked up for a season two. So it's very watchable. There were certain things. They do a nice job of leaving cliffhangers at the end of each episode. So like, even though I wasn't super excited by the show as a whole, at the end of every episode, I was like, oh, I want to know what happens next. So they did a good job of that, at least. But yeah, it's it's interesting. And it's I always want to support original IP because I don't think we have enough of it these days. We really don't. Yeah, we really don't. It's definitely good to get get in on those. Yeah, that sounds that sounds kind of interesting. I'm worried a little bit about a show like that. It sounds like it's a little convoluted from how you're describing Mm. it as far as like if with the lore being everywhere. I usually like a story to sort of like let me know, get me enough that that it seems clear and it kind of hooks me into the kind of the world, I guess. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of sort of this like other place, this mythological place like you're talking about. I want to know more about that. So if it, for any reason, you know, I'd watch this show, it'd probably be for that. Yeah. Anytime they were on the island, I was like way into it. I was like, oh, I love this. And then they would go back to the city. And I've said things like this on the show before is that environments that are visually uninteresting to me, I kind of zone out of a little bit. And it's just not enough to grab me visually and like really invest me in that world. And it's kind of a depressing monotone environment. So I was just like kind of sad the whole time. Like, uh. yeah, well, especially in a fantasy show, right? Like a lot of times the, the appeal, at least to me of fantasy shows is like it grabbing you and bringing you into something. That's not what you're used to. Mm-hmm. You're not, it's not something that you experience. And so you get sort of like this escapism where you're like, okay, this, this scene is beautiful. Look at these places. I've never seen anything like this. And then they drag you back into like New York city and you're like, seen this. Yeah. I don't want to look at this. I'm, I'm, I want to go back to that place. Take me back there. Yeah. Even though there's some weird creatures walking around, I'm still in the boring city. I don't want to be here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I see weird creatures walking around every day. You know? yeah. <laughs> I see Rob. <laughs> this is old hat. I got this. Yeah. 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 But I mean, yeah, uh, kind of like what you were saying. It's, it's kind of a middle ground as far as like what you were saying about Black Mirror season five. Like, is it bad? No. Uh, are there things that I wish weren't necessarily in it? Yeah, there were some things that were kind of slow and dragged. But if you if you want to be there for the main story, the main story is well worth watching. So, yeah, that is it for us. But as I said at the beginning of the episode, we have an interview that was pre-recorded with the wonderful Felicia Day that I will play for you in just a moment. Uh, Voyage to the Stars Season 2 is out right now, so you can check out that podcast. I talked about that during the Geek Outs. Felicia will talk about it more during the interview. And she has a book coming out in about a week or so called Embrace Your Weird, Face Your Fears, and Unleash Creativity, which is all about taking your geeky powers 
and turning them into uh, motivation to get the things done that you want to get done, which I think we all need a little bit more of these days. Mm. So uh, enjoy the interview. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. How's your day been? Very busy, but awesome. Can't complain. Uh, so, first of all, I just want to say I absolutely love Voyage to the Stars. I binged right through it. As soon as I hit the first episode, I could not stop. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. Thank you. I'm very curious about the methods used in creating the show. I know that it's partially improvised. So, what do you go into a recording knowing about the episode beforehand? Yeah, we get um we get an overview of the episode, and then we kind of get story points for each one of the logs where we, you know, uh, the, the sections within the episode. Okay. So we'll kind of know, we kind of know, like, okay, this is the setup. You guys are going to discover a planet. Um, Elsa, you're going to be upset about this thing. And then Colton he has his own marching orders. And then we start improving. So it's kind of this awesome balance between scripted and unscripted content. None of the words that you hear us say are pre, pre-thought out. But we know where we're going to start and we know where we're going to end. And so it makes it really fun to be able to play within the parameters of that. That's cool. So for the dialogue, I know you do, like you said, uh, an improvised run through. Now, do you does that get edited down or do you go back and try new things on what you just improvised? You know, honestly, we rarely do pickups. Sometimes if we didn't hit like one of the points in the outline, we'll go back and be like, hey, just throw in a line about, you know, seeing this person or whatever. But in general, we do quite a lot of recording per each minute. So it's really, really, um, we make ourselves laugh quite a bit. I know they have to cut a of us cracking each other up out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So also for uh, my own personal curiosity, I'd love to know like what the physical arrangement of the recording space is, like where everybody is when you're recording. Yeah, we sit around a, a table, actually, you know, just like a regular podcasting studio. We're all just sitting at a table with our mics in front of us. We have our story, you know, our, our papers in front of us. But generally, we have a ton of snacks in the middle where we're all just, you know, kind of <laughs> feasting on nuts or whatever cupcakes got brought in that day. And then we just have a good time. Um, we do like two episodes a day. So it's quite a lot of recording um, that we do for each, you know, uh, episode. Oh, wow. But I think the post-production, especially also the sound later, you know, the sound design is really, really valuable and makes a big difference. After the recording session, do you hear just the finished product after that? Or do you hear like intervals of how they're working on it? You know, I don't hear any of the edits. Um, I would, uh, I, I love the, the behind the scenes of editing and stuff, but I'm not part of that. I just get to hear the, the episode. And the funny thing about improv is that you literally, you make up things on the spot. So it's not like you retain them um, past the moment. So when I listen to an episode, I honestly don't remember things coming out of my mouth. None of us do. Okay. So it's kind of as fan, we could be fans of our own podcast because we don't really remember things that happened. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So um, to, to jump to your book a little bit too, uh, as, a, as a creative who clearly has an interest in various forms of media, I imagine you're constantly getting new ideas for things you'd like to make. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, um, I'm the kind of person who has a lot of ideas, but the follow through and the bravery to get them out there. It's kind of my fact, my thing that I have to struggle with. And so that's actually why I wrote the book. You know, I think that had I had a little bit more guidance and help over the years about overcoming procrastination, being a little bit more clear about who I am as a creator and what I want to say, 
all these things would have just helped me get my voice out there a little bit easier. And that's the whole reason I wrote the book. I just want to give everybody else a jump start in all the, the years that I've learned how to overcome my own enemies, like anxiety and procrastination and all that stuff. Mm. So w- when you get all those ideas, what do you do to keep them in check and make sure that you finish what you're already working on before chasing like the shiny new thing? I mean, that's, I talk about that in the book, really. I mean, I always write down things. I think if you constantly collect yourself, you'll never neglect yourself. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but that just happened. <laughs> um, I mean, all of us are really creative. And I think about, it's about acknowledging our creativity in small ways that leads to our getting bigger creative ideas, having a confidence in uh, our weirdnesses and our differences and the way we see the world really allows us to open up a whole new way of being. Mm. And so, you know, maybe you don't think you're creative, but if you decorate that cake, that birthday cake for your kid in a, in a fun way, that's creative. But if you drive home a different way every day, that's creative. Like these are things we unconsciously do as human beings that we don't acknowledge. And that keeps us from doing bigger creative work. And like you said, the most important thing is to see things through. I think a lot of us get hung up on the, the end result and worrying about how people will receive something. And really that's not even the point of creativity. The point of creativity is to work through the creativity and make yourself a better person toward the end of it and then see how that impacts other people. Mm. And if you get the ego out of it a little bit, you actually can be a lot freer in making things. In relation to that, do you have like a personal barometer that lets you know when it's time to wrap something up or just kind of put it behind you and move on from it? I mean, that's really tough as a creator. You know, I always I never want to let anything go. But I, 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 I think once you're when you train yourself to be a little bit more in touch with who you are underneath, you have instincts that will tell you, okay, this is how I want this to look. And you'll fa- eventually get there. I really, you have to train yourself to trust your instincts though. And we don't, we don't go with our gut a lot. Mm. I have a lot of times in my past where my brain has overridden my gut in deciding what to do with my time or doing a job or something. And always hundred percent of the time when I didn't follow my gut instinct, I was led astray. And so that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also having a deadline, you know, like you can, you can wander around and write one book in seven years, but you're selling yourself short because you probably could do a couple of books then and learn from that first process. So sometimes we just have to get through things, even if they're terrible, in order to learn how to do the next one better. And this is, this is your second book now too. So what did you learn from writing your first book that helped a lot with this one? Um, what I learned was having a deadline helps. Yeah. <laughs> having people to complain to helps. And, and giving myself encouragement that when I'm blocked, it's worth it just to do bad work to get to the point where I'm doing good work versus kind of collapsing and procrastinating and feeling bad for myself. Like giving myself the confidence that, yes, this is going to be a lot of work to get through this block, but I can do it. And when I get through it, I will see a clear field only to lead to another mountain, another like creative block in front of me. But that's okay because that's part of the process. Yeah, Nobody's going to just like, poop out a a perfect screenplay or a perfect book or a perfect movie with no resistance and no trouble. Um, You know, sometimes it might happen that you're struck by lightning, but that's one in a million chance. So uh, a big, big part of my message is embracing the work of creativity and not the end result, focusing on the, on the work and I will get you through all those tough times. Something I know I struggle with, and I'm, I'm wondering if you do too, is uh, when you are creating so many different types of things, it's hard to turn that off and just kind of, relax and chill out. What do you do for that? I mean, to me, I can chill out only by playing video games. Like even watching TV just makes me feel either guilty that I'm not writing something or trying to come up with a new idea. Or I see like people I know in it 
or like <laughs> analyze how it's made. So it kind of ruins the experience. Yeah. Um, it's less escapism for me, but video games are where I really can relax. You know, I really love, uh, and, and I, I do a little bit of cooking, but really it's video games. Uh, and you just said TV too. So to kind of wrap things up, I'm a big fan of the magicians and I love your character Poppy on the show. Thank you. What was it like kind of envisioning her and creating her? You know, she was so cool on the page. It was very different from the book. I was familiar with the books and I was so thrilled to be a part of the show. But when I got the sides and I was like, oh, she's a little more evil than I thought. But not evil, but just a little more nuanced, a little bit mm. more ruthless, a little bit uh, a little bit more of a badass, a little bit of a psychopath, too. But that's OK, too. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those things where um, I really feel like it was a joy to be a part of. You know, I like to be part of fan families and magicians is kind of the cool kid on the block. And so being poppy is awesome. I hope I get to go back. There's no plans right now to go back, but crossing fingers. Well, I hope you do too. And I also look forward to season two of Voyage to the Stars and uh, Embrace Your Weird. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Season two of Voyage to the Stars debuts on September 17th. Embrace Your Weird is available for pre-order right now at FeliciaDayBook.com and comes out on October 1st. Thanks again to Felicia Day for joining me. Before we get out of here, SK, do you have a final thought or something you would like to plug? Something I'd like to plug. I don't like plugging myself, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you can always uh, come if you feel so inclined. Check me out on twitch.tv over there at silence underscore night. That's night with a K. And, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. Silence night. I occasionally tweet something entertaining. I don't know if you want to you want to watch mediocre tweets go by. Feel free. <laughs> uh, but that but that's really it. I really appreciate being on. Rob. Hey, I appreciate having you here. Thanks for having me, man. The Geek Generation is part of the Geek Generation Network. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. If you use Apple Podcasts, please rate the show and write a review. We may even read your review on an upcoming episode. Watch our live events at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can support this show and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Continue the conversation with us on our Discord server at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. You can send emails with your questions and comments to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. Make it so.